Welcome back to the North Borough's Beat, the podcast that features the people, businesses, and events of Pittsburgh's North Boroughs. My name is Judy Pastor, and I will be sharing the hosting chair today with Teresa Gallick. We are recording on October 15th at the Soundcastle Studio in Bellevue. With that, on with today's very interesting show, which features the history of Bellevue. Hello, everyone. I'm Teresa Gallick, and I'm your host for today. I've been calling this episode the House Detective episode. Let me tell you why. Um, The Fifth Avenue Live Worship Shop house tour happens this Saturday. One thing that separates this house tour from the dozens that occur throughout the region is the extensive histories presented in the program about each house's architecture, neighborhood, past occupants, and, and that got me wondering, well, how do they get all this information? And that's where Scott Heberling, our first guest, comes in. Scott's been documenting the historic urban and rural landscapes of Western Pennsylvania for 35 years. He's trained as a historian and historical archaeologist, and he served seven years on the Pennsylvania State Historical Preservation Board. He's currently on the board of the Executive Committee for Preservation Pennsylvania. Scott and his wife, Diana, have lived in Bellevue since 1986 and are active in a number of community projects, including this annual house tour. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Teresa. Nice to be here. Now, we also have another guest. Jean Dennison is with us. Jean has lived in the North Borough since 1953. Jean, I don't I don't think that's possible. That means you moved here when you were like negative 14. Well, anyhow, she's a third generation to reside in Bellevue. She's a graduate of Assumption Grade School and Bellevue High School. Jean retired five years ago and has been involved with the House Tour Committee for the last three years. She's also on the PR and the Communication Committee for the Bonafide Bellevue Organization. They're the folks who sponsor the House Tour. Nice to have you too, Jean. Thank you. Great to be here. So let's get started. Uh, Scott, how did you get involved in this house tour? Well, it's been a bit of a long road for me. Uh, As you said, I've been doing this work professionally for 35 years now. My training's in history and historical archaeology. But for my job, I also spend a lot of time uh, researching and writing about old buildings. So when I moved to Bellevue back in 1986, I was just blown away by the architecture in this town. I spent uh, a lot of time my first few years here just walking the streets, looking at the great old houses we have here. And since nobody else had ever written about the local architecture, I thought I might take a crack at it. So back in the mid-1990s, I wrote a series of columns about local architecture for the Citizen newspaper. Uh, They were fairly well-received at the time, but they were quickly forgotten by myself and by everybody else until about three years ago when one of the people on the house tour committee stumbled across one of my old columns that happened to feature her house. So I was invited to attend a meeting of the house tour committee, and before I knew it, I was on the committee myself. They sucked you in, huh? They did, Uh, but that's a good thing. Um, So writing these house histories for the house tour 
uh, I felt was something I was able to do that would be a good contribution to the to the uh, tour. Good. And um, three years ago is when you joined as well, Jean, right? Y- yes. Similar story? You wrote articles about houses? <laughs> no, mine is more a universal volunteer story. Plug this hole with a volunteer. So I dragged my daughter and myself, and we went down to the Herman Museum, and that's where we were volunteering. And that was the first... I volunteered as a docent and a greeter there for registration three years ago. I think we had about um, 85 people on the tour that first... that was the second year, but it was the first year I volunteered. And I was just so, um, so, just enamored by the whole atmosphere of the house tour. The people that come, the guests that come to town, house tour people are really nice people. And they're, uh, they, I, they, they have a great time and they love to see whatever a homeowner has done, um, large or small. They're appreciative, they're kind, and the homeowners were great too. They were nervous, but once the thing started, I could see that they were really getting into it. So being uh, a volunteer is how I got started. And, um, and I also got invited to a meeting, as Scott did, and then once you go to that first meeting, you're on the committee. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it's great. been good. Great. Back to you, Scott. So... Uh, just as from a layman's standpoint, what are, what are the general steps that you follow when you're researching one of these homes? Well, basically, I follow the same process for every single house I research. And I'd just like to point out that, that you don't have to be a professional to do this work. Uh, anybody can research the history of their own house if you follow these steps. Well, I'm not sure about that, Scott. Go you know, ahead. Once you know the secrets, you can do it. Okay. And it's... Uh, it's not that hard, and it's a lot of fun to do. Uh, you never know what you're going to find. Um, so the very first thing I do is go to the Allegheny County Tax Assessment website. Uh, all you have to do is Google Allegheny County Real Estate Portal, and that'll take you right there. Uh, you type in either the address of the property you're researching or the name of the owner, and it takes you to that property. And then it spits out lots of information, uh, pictures of the house, maps, names of the owners, names of past owners, um, footprint of the house, all kinds of things. But the single most important thing that it gives you is the book and page number of the most recent deed. So that's your starting point. And everything uh, that you, you do from there on starts with that most recent deed. So with that in hand, you visit the Allegheny County Registry of Deeds. Where's that at? That's in downtown Pittsburgh. It's okay. behind the city county building. Uh, it's an imposing building, but they're really nice in there, and they'll help you uh, work through your your uh, search. Um, so at the Registry of Deeds, you get the chain of title by following the deeds. You start with the most recent one, and you work all the way back uh, to the construction of the house. And the neat trick here is that, uh, in theory at least, every deed that you look at has a reference to the, the previous deed on it. So you just follow it back in a chain. Um, so it usually works pretty well. And they also have uh, plat books with maps of Bellevue in different years so you can see when your house first appears. And that's pretty interesting. So assuming you've done your work at the Registry of Deeds, now you have a complete list of the owners back to the original construction of the house. At this point, I go to Ancestry.com, uh, their website, and I research each owner. And this gives you a huge amount of information, including census records, uh, draft cards, death certificates, marriage certificates, immigration records, you name it, it's on there. 
Uh, so with the census, you can get not only the, the past property owners, but also their whole families, and you can research their names then. So at that point, I go to another website for newspapers.com, and I research all the owners and their families in the old newspapers, and you would just be amazed at what turns up. Um, there's just a huge amount of information on there. Wow, that sounds amazing. Um, when you do this research, um, can you get a sense also of how Bellevue evolved and, and you know, the history of Bellevue in general? Yeah, sure. Uh, Bellevue is a classic example of a streetcar suburb. And streetcar suburb. Streetcar suburb. What that means is it's an inner suburb that developed at the edge of a city after streetcar lines were first built at the turn of the century. Uh, in the past, as now, suburbanization was linked to transportation improvements. Before the Civil War, everybody lived within walking distance of where they worked. But as cities became more and more crowded and polluted, new types of transportation made it possible for people who could afford it to move far enough away to have access to open space and fresh air and clean water. So first railroads enabled wealthier, wealthier people to build estates out in the countryside. Uh, after that, horse car lines were built to let the middle class move a short distance out from the city center, say about uh, three miles. And then finally, in the late 19th century came the electrified streetcar lines. And this let the middle class uh, follow the streetcar lines out so they could have a nice home at the edge of the city and then commute to work downtown. So Bellevue was uh, basically a haven for middle class it was, families. It was solidly middle class. Uh, probably 95% of the people that built houses in Bellevue would mm -hmm. consider middle class. Not many rich, not many poor. So what is the predominant, you said kind of the late 1900s was when these streetcar suburbs started to spring up. So what kind of architectural styles do you find in Bellevue? Well, Bellevue is uh, practically a catalog of early 20th century house types. We have examples of almost every type of house that was being built at the time, uh, including Colonial Revival, Tudor Revival, Dutch Colonial, Craftsman, Prairie, few examples of classical revival, like Revival on Lincoln, uh, the restaurant. And uh, scattered in amongst them are examples of earlier styles, like the Queen Anne, and a very few Italianate houses from the 1860s and 1870s, from the first building boom in Bellevue. And then a few from later on, but not many. Uh, probably 75 or more percent of the houses in Bellevue were built during the major building boom of uh, 1892 to 1925. Okay, so you, you said, Scott, that like it, Bellevue came to be because of the trolley line. I've always wondered, like, when did they end? Jean, were uh, trolleys around when, yes, when uh, you moved to Bellevue? Yes, definitely. Big red and yellow trolleys. I think they have one in the Heinz History Center that you can see. And what a, what a riot it was when they would go down Lincoln and have to make that turn up past Revival, up Fremont. And there would be one coming down and they would have to back it up. I mean, it was just amazing because you couldn't go anywhere except on the tracks, right? right? And then also they were electrified and that thing would come off the tracks and the conductor would have to get out with a big long pole and put it back on the tracks. I do remember that. So they went straight down Lincoln? They went, uh, yes, they went straight down Lincoln to town, but they always served Westview. So they went out Fremont Avenue and up Forest 
uh, yeah, it was, and the windy, tight roads were interesting. Uh, there wasn't parking on both sides then, though. So, but I, I can't even. I don't remember when the trolleys left and the buses came in in the '60s, sometime because I took buses to work in the '60s. So the trolleys were still there, but not, you know, as functional. Okay. All right. Um, I've always wondered, you know, as someone who's lived here for about 15 years, I was always wondered if um, the residential part of Bellevue started first or the commercial district and and what was the history of those two things working together? Well, in, until the uh, big building boom of the 1890s and 1910s, there really uh, wasn't a business district in Bellevue. It was all farms, um, country houses, um, a few houses on the slopes between Lincoln Avenue and the railroad, uh, which was down below where the boulevard is now. Um, but when the building boom did happen at the turn of the century, the business district and the residential neighborhoods developed at the same time. But the difference is uh, that the residential neighborhoods really haven't changed that much since then. They're still almost completely intact whereas the, the business district has changed over the years quite a bit, and that's only natural because business owners uh, want to update their properties from time to time and make them right. current. But are there some old buildings underneath um, newer-looking oh, facades? Yeah, there, that doesn't mean that there's not great architecture in the Lincoln Avenue business di district. There's quite a bit. Uh, sometimes you have to peel off the 1970s and 1980s facades and see what's underneath. Maybe someday, maybe someday. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> you and me both, I think. Um, now, I've always been interested in some of your writings in the house tour program, because Bellevue is not very big, but it. I always hear about like different neighborhoods, you know, like this one that was developed by this guy and this one that was developed by this person. Can you talk a little bit about... Um, some of the developers back at the turn of the century who were creating sections of what is now Bellevue? Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of the, the people who had uh, country houses along Lincoln Avenue before the building boom in the 1890s uh, subdivided their properties uh, when the streetcar came out. So they, they would divide their own bigger lots into uh, 50 or 100 building lots and that, then let people come in and build their own houses. But uh, alternatively, they, they sold out uh, development companies, like you said, who came in and they bought the land and they subdivided the, the property and they laid out the streets, they put in the infrastructure and uh, made it suitable for, for building. Uh, so there were, there were a lot of new subdivisions. Uh, a lot of them were given pleasant names like Bellevue Park, Sunnyside, Kendall Park, that kind of thing. Where where was one of these? Just pick one. Uh, well, the Roseburg plan is interesting. Um, it was located on the north side of Lincoln Avenue between North Euclid and North Fremont. Uh, it was the former uh, William Roseburg estate, uh, about 13 acres, and a guy named uh, J.I. McClurg bought it in 1905 and subdivided it into 94 building lots. Within five years, there were 75 houses on those uh, 94 lots. Uh, that's how fast things were happening. Uh, lots in the Roseburg plan were subject to uh, building restrictions. Uh, these were designed to discourage rental units and cheap construction. Uh, the restriction said that all houses had to be set back 20 feet from the street. 
They had to be built of brick, stone, or cement. No frame houses were permitted. And the construction cost had to be at least $5,000. So <laughs> today, if you walk back North Euclid or North Harrison, you'll see these same houses that, that conformed to the building restrictions. So n- not that much different than like developments that went up in Cranberry where they would have certain restrictions of what they expected for houses to be built. Right. And it, it is in keeping with the middle-class character of the town. Right. This right. is what they had as a vision for Bellevue. Okay. Now let's get back to the house tour. So can you um, think about the houses on tour this year? Can you tell us a story of an interesting finding you had for one of the houses? Well, almost all the houses have interesting stories, but... One I like uh, has to do with the house that's on South Harrison Street this year, or South Harrison Avenue. Um, It was built in 1900 by Edward McMillan, uh, who worked as a bookkeeper at the Enterprise National Bank of Allegheny. In 1905, there was a big scandal involving allegations of bank fraud. The cashier at the bank committed suicide. Uh, Several officers, including McMillan, went to prison for six and a half years. Oh, that's not a very good start, is it? Well, no, it's not a good story so far. Um, But after two years of pleading by McMillan's wife, a sentence was reduced by none other than President Theodore Roosevelt. And so he was let out after only a few years of the six-and-a-half-year sentence. Uh, But up in the attic of the house uh, are the initials of his 15-year-old son, uh, C.C. McMillan, uh, January 7th, 1907, and I can just envision him up in the attic late at night, and this was about two months before they lost the house. Uh, they were forced to move out, so he was up there carving his initials in the attic floor just to leave his name for perpetuity, and uh, you can still see it today. That's really cool. Is the attic on tour, do you know? I don't know. Okay. I bet everyone's going to ask to see those initials now. Uh, (laughs) The house we have on Euclid also has a sweet story uh, about four four owners back in the uh, 60s. The gentleman and I think maybe a son and his wife lived there and the wife passed away. And there were um, at least 40 or 50 sympathy cards that were there. And every owner since has passed them on and asked that they uh, keep them in a, in a place. So they'll be on display for people to see at the house tour. So That's everybody's, cool. yeah, everybody's That's honored cool. that All request. the people who own houses in, in the North boroughs are, are stewards of history. Exactly. You know, which mm-hmm. is really, exactly. really cool. Um, now I'm guessing homeowners just love all this research that you give to them. Uh, can you talk about that, Jane? They do. I mean, people don't have any idea, many of them, what what went on behind or before they moved in. And as you said, they are stewards. I mean, I think houses come alive with new owners. And sometimes in Bellevue, they've been tired. I see uh, my family home when we moved out and it needed a lot of work. And I see the new owners now have loved that home into life again, which makes me so happy because I had many happy years there. So I think that happens uh, a lot with a home. I mean, if you really revere it you can hear the walls talking you know and you add your piece then and uh, on and on good good um i looking at the time i we're running out we're running short here so why don't we make sure that we talk about the particulars of the tour um gene can you help us out 
It's sure. this Saturday. Yes, it is. And uh, we welcome all of our guests. It's a wonderful experience. Registration will be at the Bellevue United Presbyterian Church, which is on Lincoln Avenue right next to Bellevue Elementary School. Um, you can also purchase tickets online at bonafidebellevue.com. $20 online, but they're $25 a day off, and we welcome either. Uh, the tour is 11 until 4 o'clock. It's, uh, it's definitely walking. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. So visit bonafidebellevue.com and uh, get your tickets and come see us. Okay. Well, I want to thank our guests today. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Jean. You're welcome. Now, as you said, the forecast on Saturday does look really sunny. Um, a nice, beautiful, brisk autumn day, perfect for walking around Bellevue. And, and uh, for those that are nebby, to nebby into some pretty cool houses. So um, this is Teresa Gallick signing off. Thank you. I woke up by the Ohio River And a bluebird making noise Oh, oh Between hazy thoughts and quiet shivers And that's the show. For those of you in Ben Avon, Emsworth, and the rest of the Avonworth School District, we also plan to have people from the Avonworth Historical Society to talk about the history of Ben Avon and the surrounding area. As always, thanks to Mark J for sound engineering and music. And thanks to Teresa for today's interview. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play to never miss an episode. If you have any ideas for segments for the show, please let us know on our North Bros Beat podcast Facebook page or email us at northbrosbeat at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. We can float our troubles up the Ohio Toss them in and far away they'll go And if your cares are heavy to drift I'll be your friend, I'll be your lift So let's float our troubles up the Ohio